Hello and welcome into the Nittany Gritty, a podcast brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. I am your host, John Sauber, joined as always by Penn State legend Tim Frazier. Tim, one of the last people from Penn State to play in the NCAA tournament. Seems like that might be changing soon. Hopefully, that's the plan. And uh, obviously, a hell of a week for these guys. And they did what we what we wanted them to do. And I'm sure every Penn State fan and uh, beat writer and ex-player wanted them to do. And they came out and did what they needed to do. So um, I see them. They got to be in. They got us. It's time to change the narrative of uh, of the tournament. It's been what ten years now. Um, obviously, Lamar's team would have got in. You know, but obviously, COVID rules. But at least now we'll have somebody that's officially in, and we can and we can go from there. Yeah, and it's it, you know it's an interesting discussion to have, right? Because I think there's some differing opinions here on whether or not they are uh, in right now, what they need to do. Yeah. But you know, we'll get down to that down that road here soon. But first, like how they got here, the X's and O's of what happened this past week, pretty insane. Uh, it was. You know, you and I were on here talking about like, yeah, they had to win the last two. Rutgers was like devastating. We didn't know how they would turn up. We wouldn't know, you know, if they were going to show up against Northwestern. You and I both said we thought they'd win. But at the end of the day, you never really know how a team responds. And they responded exactly how you and I said they would. Right. Uh, Came winner comes up huge. hits a game winner in overtime uh, to to win 68-65 against Northwestern. Uh, And then at home, another game winner for Cam winner. this time a layup to beat Maryland by one. Uh, but let's start with Northwestern here. That was, it didn't feel like they were going to win that game uh, until it got into the, probably the last two minutes. They set up uh, an ATO for Andrew Funk to get an open three, and he did. Uh, and I honestly thought that one was going down. It, it bounces out, goes to overtime. Uh, and then getting the game winner there. Like, that can't be easy to have that clean of a look in regulation, have it miss, and then be like, Oh, now, now we got to play overtime after that shit, right? Like, like you had the opportunity. It was there is exactly what you wanted. And, and I thought the way they, they responded to missing a game winner was was perfect, essentially. Okay, well, what you noticed from this team, especially this last week, and even the last, you know, every time they get down in the hole, they're resilient. They fight back. You know, they change the narrative of whatever's going on with them. They, like you said, they, they, they drop a game against um, – Wisconsin early in the year, they bounce back. You know, they, they do the things that they need to do to bounce back to keep themselves alive. You know, obviously we wish it was easier where we could just kind of see them swoop, go smoothly through. But uh, this team is built on resiliency and being tough and being able to fight back when they get knocked down. And they did that in Northwestern. You know, it's like you get to a rec- great shot in regulation, able to knock it down. You know, Funk, I'm sure, wanted to hit it. And everybody wanted Funk to hit it, but he didn't. We were able to get back and get it back and, and, and basically tune tune back in, in in your mind for overtime. And and that's what they did, man. But we can't go past the – I think it was Kebajai with the huge re- rebound, right? No, it was Evan Mahaffey. Evan Mahaffey with – Evan Mahaffey. With the this, – this rebound was like – Yes. No business. No business getting this rebound, right? And then he's a freshman, right? This is a 19-year-old mm-hmm. kid. Hauls in the rebound. There are five seconds left in overtime. And – I'm panicking in that situation, point blank, period. Like, at 19 years old, I'm not yes. handling that well, right? Like, I'm completely folding under pressure. He brings the rebound in, looks for an open. He, I think he initially looks at Jalen Pickett behind him in the corner, realizes yep. it's covered, hits the skip pass to the opposite wing to Andrew Funk, and, and easily the funniest part of the video. I don't know. Uh, so I, I was, like, watching it, trying to, you know, paint a picture of it for a story that I did, and I watched it a bunch. The funniest thing that happens is the pass gets to Funk, and before it's, like, even in his hands, you see Micah Shrewsbury point, right? Like, he's immediately mm-hmm. pointing at Cam Winner in the corner. Like, even if Funk wanted to shoot that shot, 
he was not shooting that with his coach pointing directly to the next guy, right? And he swung it one more to Cam Winner, uh, who you know found the laces, so to speak, and and took the shot and hit it. And and I I talked to Cam about that shot uh, two days later, right? And kind of what he was feeling and and like. Usually you you hear guys talk about like, oh, I just wanted to make sure I got it up. I wanted to make sure this, that. Mm-hmm. And like his his response to me, to my question was even calm, right? It was like, yeah, I knew I had a bunch of time. So I just wanted to make sure I was squared up and ready to go, right? Like it's it's like <laughs> I, that again, very much not how I would handle that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I think that, and it didn't feel like a lot of times you, you talk to enough people and, and doing the job that I do, like you can kind of see through when someone's bullshitting you. He was yeah. not like that was all like he was genuinely like, yeah, no, I knew I had time and I knew I could get this to go. And so I took my time and I did it. Uh, and I, I know that's oversimplifying, but I think having that kind of moxie. Right. And to not have those nerves bother you in that situation says a lot about him because he wasn't playing yeah. well at the beginning of this yeah. year. Yeah. And now he's the most important player on the team the last two games. Yeah, I will say, too, as far as like last second shots go, what I've been taught, you know, what I've learned throughout, you know, my pro career and from great guys that have made big time shots, they always say shoot your shot. You know, at the end of the day, you think sometimes we rush and we change the shot to beat the time. But most of the time we have enough time. And at the end of the day, you have a better shot if you just shoot your regular shot. You know, for the most guys, there are some guys that have very slow releases. But for most of us, if we shoot our regular shot, we're going to get it off in time. And 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 when you do that, more than likely that's going to go in than the change in the shot, trying to get it off in time real quick. So uh, credit to him. And uh, again, I wanted to make sure I got that rebound piece in because, you know, that, that those are the little things that that make you championship teams and make you NCAA tournament teams because he could have easily just said, oh, we missed the three. That was it. You know what I mean? But he went hard for that rebound. He was able to get it. He was poised enough to pass it out as well to it for a swing, swing uh, and get a three. So, but for winter, man, that's just a hell of a week, man. I, you know, as a player, this is somebody, this <laughs> the type of the things you dream about making two game winners in, 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 in the same week. And especially in college, how much it means and how much these two games meant. You know, this his two games winners got something that's going to go down for a long time. People are always going to remember that, and I think that's part of the reason why he was able to make what player of the week in the Big Ten too. Yeah, and, and honestly, like I think people in the long run may forget about the Northwestern yeah. one, right? Mm-hmm. And I I think that's kind of reasonable because the the next one was even crazier, right? And yeah. and just yeah. real quick on that Northwestern game too, like. His, you, you know, you mentioned like shooting his shot from like, you know, making sure he's shooting in the flow mm-hmm. of it and everything and not like rushing it or anything. There's also the standpoint of shooting his shot from like what he likes. Right. And and it's easy for a guy who doesn't he's not necessarily a great three point shooter. He's a good three point shooter. Better right. off the catch in those situations. Uh, he loves, you know, 16 to 18 feet out. He loves those shots. I give him a lot of credit for not taking the sort of dribble in, right, and, and trying yeah. to be like, okay, I'm more comfortable here because then you're allowing the defense to close out, right? You're giving right, them the right. time to recover, and maybe those four seconds you had are now two seconds, but also there's a guy closing out, so you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. pump fake and hope that they fly by, and if they don't, then you know you're stuck. And if even if they do, it's like, okay, do you have enough time to get it? He there was a shot presented to him. He was comfortable taking it, even though it isn't the ideal place for him to be on the court. It's a he like I said, he's a perfectly fine shooter from deep he's made plenty of those shots especially over the last few weeks but right to not you know to make the right decision essentially is what i'm saying right to not try and make it you know to, to not pass up uh sometimes perfect is the enemy of great as you know as the saying goes yep, yep. he didn't allow that to happen right he didn't chase perfection he knew he had a great shot and he knew he could hit it 
and he did. Uh, and the Sunday uh, was very different. That was a game with – I said I didn't think they would win against Northwestern. I turned to, uh, to Daniel Gallen, who covers Penn State for Lions 24-7 on press row with about 12 minutes left. I said, this bad boy's over, and I started writing, right? Like, who is like yeah, – Yeah, yeah, get the, a hit like, start. Was, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I'm, I'm trying to go home. You know, it's a, it's a Sunday. It's a, like – it was at like one fifteen at that point, one thirty. And I was like, listen, it was, you know, it was a fun year covering this team, but like, this seems like it's it. Right. And they, they went out uh, without a swing and then, uh, then they very much started swinging Uh, and to, you know, uh, their benefit too. Maryland kind of no pun intended turtled up a little bit at the end. (laughs) They tried to try to kill that time uh, and they did kill some time. I don't think it went as well as they wanted to. Uh, And just to, to lay out the, the scene on that one, uh, Jalen Pickett has uh, an opportunity to take a shot or pass it down at the end of the game. Hit, again, his ideal shot about 14 feet. Yep. Pass it out to Seth Lundy, uh, who is at the top of the key. I believe he's coming off a screen at that point, and he he squares up. And again, he he was not shooting all that well, just like it happened against Rutgers. Again, he should have taken the shot. He made the right decision. He took the shot, knew immediately it wasn't going in, and I think that's the most important thing here. Because he, he charged it. hard at the rim. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's chasing and then there's what that was, right? Like, he mm-hmm. was going full bore. He, he was determined that Penn State was getting that rebound somehow. And he said after the game that he he was trying to tip it to to Winner uh, underneath because he saw Winner who was in the dunker and stepped forward to try and get the right. the offensive rebound. I, from looking at photos, it didn't look like he got the ball. It looked like he got, like, the back of hands. But the momentum of him coming in, like, pushed the ball, you know what I mean, down toward Winner, even if he didn't get a hand on it. I've seen some people say that should have been a foul. Nobody's calling a foul. No Nobody in no their way. right mind is calling a foul. There, right? It is. It is a moot point. Not a chance. For, we we've talked about officiating before. Even these officials aren't making that call. Right? Like, and he whatever you know momentum it caused. Like he pushed the ball, pushed hands. Whatever he pushed, perfectly down to Cam Winner, who was right under the rim. Went up. Didn't touch glass. Didn't touch the. I don't even think it touched the rim. Went straight down in. And then the roof blew off the BJC, mm-hmm. right? Like, this was the loudest I'd heard that building all year. No students were there, by the way. Or I shouldn't say that. There were some students who came. There was no true student section because it's spring break. It was the start of spring yeah. break. That was still one of the loudest. Given the circumstances, it was the loudest. But had students been there, it would have easily been the loudest that that arena had been all year. And it went nuts, right? Like, it yeah. was this thing like, so my, my job, part of my job is being objective, Right. Not having a rooting interest either way. And I don't like that. It's not my job. I I always say like I root for a good story, admittedly, pretty good story to write Mm -hmm. after that one. But I reacted like and so did other beat writers. It was like this. Oh, shit moment. Right. Like you you just realize what happens. And I was like immediately like my hands went back. You know what I mean? Like the the reaction you have when someone does something crazy like that. And, you know, they were down 16 in the first half, 15 late in the second half or early in the second half. And like you said, it's the resilience. It was it was the resilience once again. And. And that, to me, it's it's the team's resilience, it's winner's resilience, it's Lundy's resilience, it's all of it. And, like, yeah. Sunday was the perfect, like, you know, amalgamation of all of it coming together into the same thing, like, into being, like, this is who this team is in the regular season finale. Yeah, I, for me, too, like, you see what this team has been through since the beginning of the season, you know, everything, the ups and downs, the, the bad losses, the amazing wins that we saw early the all right, we're headed in the right direction. The two, three losses in a row, the, then the two big wins in a row, and now we're talking about the end of the season. How they knocked, they won two big games that they had to win to basically put themselves to the best chance and make an NCAA tournament. It's it's almost to the point to where when you know for me when I, I've always said that like when I make shots and they like oh man oh I banked, I banked it in or hit the rim a certain amount of times I always say oh people be like oh yeah Tim you living right 
And, and, and I believe, like, I think Penn State basketball, those guys, especially Cam Winter, has been living right. And, you know, what I mean, I don't know if it's, if, if it's waking up in the morning and getting extra shots and going to class and taking care of business in the classroom and getting enough sleep and eating the right food. I think a lot of that plays in a part. You know what I mean? I'm not necessarily big on superstition, but the team is living right. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's not going to go, you know, the train's not going to go smoothly like all the time. But for, for, for this team now, they live, they're living right. And, you know, hopefully they're going to continue to keep living right, especially when now we talk about the Big Ten tournament and then hopefully in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned winning those two. It's not just those two. It's winning five of their last six, right? right. I remember when you and I – you and I talked, I think it was, I believe it was right after the the first Maryland game. Uh, it might have been after. Yeah, it was because it was before Illinois. And we talked about, you know, what this looks like the rest of the way, right? How, like, you don't want to put the final nail in the coffin, but, like, they're going to be, they got to win five of the next six to do it. Uh, and I was ready to put the, the nail on. Then you look at the schedule. It's like, okay, well, maybe if things go right. And outside of Rutgers everything went right and by the way I hate to do this people I think if they had beaten Rutgers they would be the sixth seed in the Big Ten tournament which is a little bit better than being the uh, 10th seed and they would be locked in but you can't go back and change that now I do think it's going to be an interesting thing to look back on though down the road like depending on how this all shakes out Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah like it it was they it all went right for them right like everything kind of fell in their favor when it seemed like the last four games before that the opposite was the case right? right like it seemed like nothing was going right for him they couldn't get things to fall and and i talked to people you know trying to get a feel for what changed you know i asked mike in his press conference i asked funk when i sat down with him i asked cam when i sat down with him and like a, a lot of people just point to the fact that they stayed steady right and i yeah. think that was something micah learned about this team too i mentioned that i didn't think he handled uh some of the losses well that wisconsin one specifically i didn't think he handled uh well or you know i, I thought he overreacted in his post-game press conference i think that was the case a couple other times this year but i think he learned his team uh through that process right through him basically doing the wrong thing he learned the right thing and it allowed him to kind of treat this group how it has to be treated in that like these are some old dudes, man. They've, they've played a lot of basketball, right? A lot of 22, 23-year-olds. And in, in college, that is that is old. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Mikey Hen, I think, is 25. Uh, this is what feels like year 36 for him uh, <laughs> with, in college basketball. But, you know, these are these guys know what, what it takes. They know what they need to do. And so, like, maybe it's less of the rah-rah and, and more of the, like, let these guys handle it. They got it. And, yeah. and they did have it, right? Like, Funk has had ups and downs this season and to close the season he was excellent you know Lundy has had ups and downs the last few games but he got you to this point and he was an excellent defender even when he wasn't playing uh, well offensively right even when you know maybe the decision making was off and maybe some of the shots weren't falling he was he was still doing all of the right things defensively he was still playing hard there was no he wasn't passing up good shots and like you know gumming up the offense or anything like that he was doing all of the right things still um, and yeah I just think like like you said I, I think you're living right is a good way to put it because it did feel like yeah. they were living right, right? Like they just kind of hit on everything they needed to, uh, which leads us into the next step of all of this, right? And we can get into the scouting report now for Illinois. Uh, this is a team Penn State's seen twice and beat twice and kind of felt like they were never losing either of those two games, right? Like yeah. the the away game, 74-59, the home game, 93-81. It's a good Illinois team. Like I'm not saying that it's not. It's just a team that it seems like Penn State has the number. I know everyone does the like – it's hard to beat a team three times. Yes. And also no, right? Like it's, it's hard to do at the outset, 
But once you win the first two, the third one isn't any harder than the first or the second, right? Like it doesn't, right, right, right. you know, once you get to this point, it like that, that all that goes out the window. Like now, if you go at the beginning of the scene, be like, oh, they need to win all three. Yes, that's different. But, right, right, right. but at the, as where we're standing right now, like I, I haven't looked at any odds or anything for this game. Uh, but, you know, Ken Palm has this projected as a one point loss for, for Penn State. I don't know, man. I just like... I think they're going to win this game, and I don't. You know, I think it'll probably be closer than the first two. But the way they play, uh, the, the they can take away some of the transition opportunities that Illinois needs from Terrence Shannon to get going. Um, and and frankly, like I know this is oversimplification of it a little bit, but Penn State has the best player on the court. That's the case in most games, but it's especially true in this game. And it mattered a lot the first two times around. Yeah, of course. But John, John, I, I wanted to make sure I, I, I put this in a pod, in, in a pod this uh, this week. It was obviously I wanted to give credit to Miles Dredd, you know, because I, yes, I think that's big that, for him on, on senior point. night how he played uh, against Maryland, man. That was huge. Cause like you said, he's had also he's had to take a step back, and you know, and what he's been doing since his career there, and being able to still stay ready and stay confident and be able to help the team, especially when they needed it in a must-win game. And you could see the emotions from him after the game as well about how, you know, I had talked to you about the week before about how many emotions run as being a senior, how tears come out of your eyes, how you have so many things you go, you could just tell that he, he, he was, he was happy and sad at the same time because he know that his, you know, his time here at Penn State was was coming to an end. But he gave it his all throughout his career, and you could see the tears running and how much he, how much it meant to him. And as a player, you know, for for a school that you know, I mean, I think from when I uh, when I was saying last week about how much you just felt so thankful, I saw that in him, like how thankful he was to everybody and, and you know for helping him through his 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 years there at Penn State. So I just wanted to make sure we put him in as well because obviously those other guys did play well, but for him, man, that's huge to be able to stand up as a senior and, you know, especially when your role is diminished some and continue to stay ready and help a team win a must-win game. Yeah, and and he, he it didn't just help, right? When they were yeah. kind of down in the dumps, he was the one willing to take those big shots. And, like, right. Micah Shrewsbury spoke after the game on the court. He talked about each senior. He took the mic, spoke to the crowd. And said, you know, one of the one of the things he said about Miles, like anytime they need something, it's always I got you from Miles yeah. to him, right? Like yeah. he's always like Miles is always ready in those situations, mm-hmm. and it is it's you know it's really interesting. I'm like I've not there are plenty of journalists out there who've been doing this much longer than I have. I'm only 28, right? Like I've covered college basketball for five years, fourth year covering Penn State, and you see guys come and go a little bit, right? You get to know them a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I got to know Lamar a little bit when he was here. Um, you know, Sam Sessoms was here for a couple of years, got to know him, you know, he, but but Seth Lundy and Miles Dredd are kind of the two guys that Miles was in his second year when when I first got here and Seth was in his first year when I first got here. And so those are guys that for me, they're the first group of guys that I've seen go on the whole journey. Right. And so you again, it's not my job to have a rooting interest, but you get to know people. Right. And you yeah. you enjoy seeing people have success that you get to know and that, you know, that that have kind of earned that success. And you can empathize with someone when you're around them so much, right? Like every, during basketball season, they see us, I'm sure too much and see my face too much, uh, as much as you have to, quite frankly, at this point. Uh, and, and so like you get to know those guys and like you see him. So I was up in press row. I, I waited, you, you know, where it's at, like up halfway mm-hmm. up the, uh, the arena. And I was like looking down at everything and you see Maya was like talking to, he talked to Mike Farrelly. He's getting emotional. He's crying. He's talking, doing the interview and he's crying. And, and you look at Micah Shrewsbury and he's crying, right? Like mm-hmm. these, this clearly there was so much weight on everyone's shoulders going into this stretch and to see those guys get emotional like 
you know, you just kind of it is it's a cool scene to see, right, to see how much people care about something like this, because obviously it means everything to them right now, you know, and for good reason. Uh, But it was really cool to see and then to talk to Miles afterward and to, you know, those uh, for probably the last time in the Bryce Jordan Center talking to him, you know, at a press conference and seeing him you know, start to cry when Mike is talking about him and, and seeing like all of the realness. I'm, I'm very big on authenticity. Yeah. Uh, and like miles in those moments was as authentic as he could be. Right. Like there was no, I don't think he tried to hold it back. Right. Like, I don't think there's right. any reason to either, but like seeing him work through that emotion and feel through it, it was, it was, it was something to be cool. You know, it was yeah. uh, like you said, for a guy whose role has been diminished for a guy who frankly, like hasn't played as well probably as he would want to. And I think he'd probably tell you that too to have the biggest biggest game of his senior season in their biggest game and uh, in, in what I called in, in my story that probably the biggest or second biggest moment in program history outside of Taylor Battle's coast-to-coast layup in 2009 against Illinois. Because that layup, by the way, that layup was supposed to also put them in the NCAA tournament the year before you got there, but it mm-hmm. didn't, and they went to the NIT yeah. and ended up winning the NIT that year. Uh, this again, there are some parallels here. I don't want to get, I don't want to put the cart before the horse on getting an NCAA tournament. But you know, there's this might be something to that uh, we could talk about. But like, uh, it is, it was really cool though. It was yeah. you're you're happy for him. You're happy for the people you know that that you get to know uh, and everything like that. Like we're we're all human, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I don't turn into a robot just because I'm a journalist. Like you you empathize with people and everything like that. And uh, it was really cool to see. And I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, because I would, yeah. we'd been remiss had we not talked about you know how important he was not just from a culture standpoint this year and keeping things steady, but also from a on court standpoint in that game, yeah. right? Like he was yeah, as important as it gets, and he's frankly like he might be just as important against Illinois because mm-hmm. when when Keba Jai is maybe not playing as well, which by the way has also not been the case for the last two weeks, and I think his development is something we'll definitely talk about in the off season. Uh, when Evan Mahaffey's in foul trouble, when Mikey Hen's not hitting shots. Like they, they they don't have a true big to go to. They put Miles out there and he takes a beating against like some enormous dudes, right? Like he is not seven feet tall like they are, uh, and he's you know he's having to deal with these guys, these enormous players backing him down and trying to trying to move him, and he's got to fight back the entire time. Like playing defense in the post is taxing. I, I think that gets lost on people sometimes. Like it really wears on you, and he's done it, and he's just done it game in and game out, and he's done it willingly and. He might have to do that against Dane Danger in Illinois. Like he might have to do it, you know, if if they get further against teams like Northwestern and Indiana. But like it's he is I don't want to necessarily call it a sacrifice because I think he's it's getting him on the court, right? He's just kind of doing what he has to do to help the team out and get on the court. But he on some level he's had to sacrifice, right? Changing his role probably more than anyone. Uh, and he's taken it all in stride. And I think yeah. if you're a Penn State fan, if you're a Penn State coach, if you're within the program, that's really all you can ask for. Uh, but that Illinois game, like, is crucial because I, you know, you look at the bracket when it gets finalized. We talked a lot about, like, how weird it was. Like, everything was, like, jumping around and everything. And then you look how it turns out. So, Penn State plays Illinois Thursday at 6.30 Eastern time, 5.30 Central in Chicago. If they win that, they play Northwestern, who they just beat on the road a week ago. If they win that, they're most likely to play Indiana, a team they've had a ton of success against uh, the last few times they played them. And if it's not Indiana, then it's Maryland, who they literally beat four days ago, right? So or two days ago, whatever it was. Time is moving very slowly right now, in case you couldn't tell. It's been a, it's been a long couple of days, but like that side of the bracket couldn't couldn't be going better for them. Like there is a, I'm not going to say this is going to happen. To be clear, there is a world though where they're playing on Sunday. 
Like, and I don't think it's I don't think it's all that crazy. And it may seem crazy because it's a ten seed we're talking about. There's also a world, by the way, where Thursday is their last game, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But like, I'm not rolling that out either. Yeah, I just think there's so much variability within the conference this year that, you know, 11 seed Nebraska could also be the team that they might have to face in the semifinals, right, if they get there. Because Nebraska has been on fire, too. So mm-hmm. I just think the way this has played out, frankly, you know, from a story standpoint, from my perspective, uh, has been – and from a team standpoint, from their perspective, and, you know, people like yourself who used to be in the program and, like, you're dedicated watching constantly and, and keeping track of this team, like, it kind of couldn't have turned out any better, I don't think. Yeah. I, again, I say the words, man. The, the team is living right. You know, I mean, yep. when you ask for the bracket and and how things worked out, obviously you want to be get those a double buy, you know, and, and not having to play until was that Friday. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is, and the team gets some likable games that you know they've they've played against teams where they beat everybody they 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 probably have to face. They beat, and I I know you mentioned earlier about you know the whole superstition about it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. I do think it's that I do think it's hard to beat a team three times in a row, but it's hard to beat a team three times in a row in the playoffs in the NBA playoffs when you see right. them every day, every other yeah, day. Yeah. I think that's hard time to admit, but but there's been a breaks in between them. I think Penn State stunned them in Illinois, stunned Illinois in at Illinois. And then I, I think Illinois was ready when they came to Penn State, but the Penn State was at, you know, they felt confident. The confidence was built. They played well. They were able to beat them again. So I think now we talk about a neutral site. You know, I, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of Penn State fans that are going to make the travel because they know how big this game is. And, uh, you know, because I remember when our, our NCAA tournament run, man, we had a lot. Of, we had a good good group of fans that came out and supported us. You know, they were at the games and after that they were at the hotel when we came back. So we kind of need that as well because we know how big this game is going to be for uh, Penn State basketball because, you know, you and I have been talking about it. I think you win one, you're in. You know, especially they win this game, they're in. So um, it's there. It's there for the taking and the team has been living right. Hopefully, like I said, I keep continue that they continue to keep living right and when they go out to Chicago and handle business. And then from there, and, you know, just how for us, the year we went to the NCAA tournament, we beat, um, I, thought, I think we might have beat Illinois first. I'm not sure. But then we played Wisconsin, which was the craziest low-scoring game of the year. It was like 34 to 32. Everybody was like, how did you do that? And then we won. And then from there, we went Michigan State. And, and we beat Michigan State. Had one of my kind of breakout games. And then from there, we obviously ran into, you know, the Ohio State. And they did with it with with everybody. With I think Diebler had like ten threes on it, something crazy. I think that but, was the game that he set the record. Right, it was it was something crazy. I think we 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 when I remember Taylor and I because we were roommates. I remember us sitting there. It was like, man, we can get him. We can get him. And we kind of just they just they just got so hot early to to the point to where we realized and we was like, man, well we keep chipping away, keep chipping away. That's all we could we could could continue to do. But obviously Ohio State ended up winning and, and, and going far. But this team, this the, the bracket is set up for them to to take it, like you said, and make it to Sunday. They just have to take care of the business first. And the first order of business is to be Illinois. Well, and their biggest disadvantage as far as like trying to make it a true neutral site is how close uh, Chicago is to, to the yeah. University of Illinois, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, to you know push back on that a tiny bit, I do think it's probably going to be an Illinois cloud, or crowd there, yeah. but there are direct flights from Chicago yeah. or from State College to Chicago. Uh, I would know. I have this one that I have to use a lot to get to plenty mm-hmm. of places doing this job. Uh, and so there's a little bit easier access. And Micah Shrewsbury brought up a great point at, in these tournament settings where if you play exciting basketball or if you 
you know, for whatever reason, can do something to get the crowd on your side because, like, at that game, there are, there are going to be some, there. like, yeah. yeah, there are other teams there. So, like, they're going to be Maryland fans there and then either Minnesota or Nebraska fans there. Maybe those Maryland fans aren't going to be rooting for Penn State uh, <laughs> after what happened on Sunday. But if whoever they're playing has some fans there, or maybe a fan is just there watching holdover from Iowa, Wisconsin, whatever, yeah. you can get some team or some fans to, to kind of cheer for. You can maybe even that crowd out a little bit. That being said, crowd didn't bother him too much in Champaign the first go around. Uh, don't, right. don't know if it's going to be too much of an issue this time around either. You know, I think it's a game they can win. But I mean, that you mentioned it already. But we can take it to the word on campus. I think, and I, I think I'm I might be alone on this. I've talked to some people who agree a little bit. I think Penn State might be in no matter what. And I don't want to, I don't want to come off as having a hot take or anything like that. But they're 19 and 12. They're ten and ten in the hardest conference in the country, and I don't I don't know if it's particularly close at this point, especially you know from a depth standpoint. They have one of the best players in the country, uh, and they have a ton of impressive wins. Right, this is not them beating up on Minnesota and Nebraska constantly. They took care of business against teams like that. I think they have one quad three loss currently, and it was the loss to Wisconsin at home, which really isn't that bad. Like it's not it's not a loss like the committee's going to look at and be like, oh. That's damning. Like that'll knock them out right. of it. I don't think that's the case. Like their their wins lately have been excellent too. Beating again Illinois on uh, on the road and at home. Beating an Ohio State team that looks much better. By the way, Penn State got that Ohio State team on the front end of them looking really really good. And I think yeah. if they catch them like three days later, things change. Or maybe that was just like the beginning of it. And Penn State was good enough. Who knows? But mm-hmm. again, they they catch Ohio State when Ohio State's playing well and still beat them. That Rutgers loss is going to sting for some people, but that's not that bad of a loss. That's a good Rutgers team. Uh, you know, I, I, circumstances aside, like a three-point loss to Rutgers isn't that big of a deal. Northwestern is the two-seed in the Big Ten tournament. They just beat them on the road. Maryland is the six-seed and a lock to make the NCAA tournament. They just beat them at home with a with a ridiculous comeback. Wins over Indiana. Win over Michigan. Win over Iowa. Like they have a good win over a Furman team. We we talked about this at the beginning of the year yeah. before we we started you know publishing everything that like that Furman team's good, right? And Furman just won their conference championship with a twenty seven and seven record. Like yeah. they're not a a uh, a pushover by any stretch. And Penn State got a good win down there in Charleston, winning that game. So I do think like the resume is there. I, I am not one to say like that there's going to be bias from the selection committee with brand recognition. I might say it if North Carolina gets in over Penn State because North Carolina's resume just does not stack up. But I think this that would be the, you know, stuff happens sometimes and, and things yeah. get uh, things get weird and, and, and committee members are looking for certain things that maybe, you know, Penn State doesn't have whatever that stacks up well uh, against team X, Y, or Z or what have you. Like different people have different criteria. I understand that. Uh, and at the end of the day, these are humans. They yeah. make the wrong decisions sometimes. But as things stand, I think if they lose, I think they're probably in Dayton. I'm not an expert on this, but this is just based on looking at the resume. I think if they lose, they're in Dayton. If they win, they're probably not in the first four anymore. Like, they're looking at a no. true 10 seed, which, got to tell you, man, two weeks ago, didn't think that was going to happen. No, I'm with you. I, I do believe that this team is in. I think regardless win or loss. But I just think that you don't put it in the committee's hands. And, you know, I've learned that right. from or, you know, if you you look at the Penn State teams before, like you said, the team before I got there, when Taylor Battle makes the layup against Illinois, everybody's saying the same thing. They're for sure and they're for sure and this and this and that. And you just don't put it in their hands. But I do believe this year, I think having Pickett as an All-American is a boost. You know, right. the team 
playing some of the best basketball he can play right now. And people have seen it. Like, you know, it's been covered all across the country. Now everybody's seen the two cam winner game winning shots for the last week. So that plays a part. So, you know, like you said, we're talking about humans that are making this decision. They, they're seeing that. Okay. His team hasn't all like, when you look at the, 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 the whipped cream on top, you know, the all American, the two game winners playing the best basketball right now. And a team that's, People have been saying that they deserve to be an NCAA tournament team. This is not somebody that this team that just all of a sudden they just went on a stretch and now we're like, well, are they? No, they've been predicted to be in the tournament for the longest. So I, I do believe that they're in. I think, like you said, if they do lose, I think they're not going to still make it all the way in. They're going to be, well, like you said, the first four. And they're going to have to play to get in the tournament for sure because we don't have the resume in the background of making an NCAA tournament. So you're going to go with, they're going to be like, all right, let's, let's put them in the first four, see what they can do. But I do see that if hey, they win, I see them winning the next one and continue to go. And who knows how far they can get up and, and, and make, it, make it into the, and how high seed they can get there if they take it all the way to Sunday. Because you never know. Because at the end of the day, these are humans. They're going to see how well they're playing. And they're going to be like, well, this team is playing the hottest basketball they are. They, they've been playing all year. And there's no team, no other team that's hotter than them in the country. If you talk about them winning the next three games in a tournament all the way up into Sunday. Yeah, and, and listen, if, if they make it to Sunday – I don't really know what seat they're going to be. Yeah. Right? Like I, I think it all goes out the window at that point. Like I think you'd probably reasonably put them as a seven or an eight, right? If they're winning, mm-hmm. you know, that would be what, if, you know, let's say they lose Sunday, they would have won eight of their last 10 games and against yeah. good teams. You know, I, like I said, I think that's, that's the point where it gets weird. And then my, any projection I do just, I'm just done. Like I'm just waiting until someone else tells me where they're going to play so I can book my travel and be done with it. Cause like, they're they're for sure in like 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 I said if they win on Thursday but that kind of run like that's a that's a season changer right and I think it's possible yeah. we talked about it earlier I think it's possible um, I, I don't think uh, it's funny you and I have talked about the NCAA tournament for five months now right four months yeah. now uh, I don't think everyone else did I think they've been on the radar uh, for the mm-hmm. like you know for the broad majority of the season but before the season I don't think it was talked about all that much. Um, I think, by the way, we may both have projected 10 and 10. So I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, 10 and 10 in conference. So kudos to us if we did that. If we didn't, I'll just forget that it happened and pretend that I did. Simple as that. (laughs) Uh, But no, I think like we've we've talked about this. And I think it's because internally the NCAA tournament was the expectation. Uh, And I, you know, you talk to people around the program that that never wavered. That was never not the goal this year. They always wanted to make the NCAA tournament. Um, And I think I think they're right on the doorstep. Like in, in Illinois, uh, whenever Illinois pushes them in, no matter what, lose that game, maybe because it's a little dicey, but I think they get it anyways. And this is uh, maybe there are other conversations to be had then about retaining your head coach and interest from other schools in your head coach. Yeah. Uh, but that is not the discussion to have for right now. Right. Like, I think this is a this is an, uh, a really fun time for me personally to cover this team. Right. Like I have been saying, I just want to cover the NCAA tournament for this is my fifth year. Like I said, I covered Indiana for a year, Penn State for three before this one. Like I just want to cover an NCAA tournament. It seems like a lot of fun. It seems like everyone else is having a lot of fun doing it. I'd like to be a part of that uh, for fans, uh, for, you know, former players like yourself. Like this is I, I think this is the most fun season in all likelihood from that perspective since Lamar's season. And yeah. That couldn't have ended worse. 
right? Like, yeah. It all was taken away. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. Hopefully, we don't have another global pandemic on the doorstep. If we do, someone please let me know so I can change my travel plans. Uh, but like, I think, hey, is, but I do say, I do say, I think we do have it. I think they're still having an NCAA tournament. <laughs> so. That might be true this time around. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's like this is a this is a fun team with good players, with a great player on top of that in Jalen Pickett that plays an excellent brand of basketball. And I think that plays a brand of basketball that's built for March. And all of that goes to say that if they get in, I'll go on the record now. I think they got a pretty good shot of making the Sweet 16. It depends on the matchups. It depends oh, on how yeah, things go. Yeah, I was about go. to say. <laughs> but like, I know that's this is, but they this is the type of roster build that you look at that it's like, oh shit, how'd that ten team get in the Sweet ten seed get in the Sweet yeah. 16? It's elite guard play. It's a lot of high variance play. It's a lot of shooting. It's a lot of threes, and it's having one of the best or the best player in the court. And again, they're going to yeah. play a lot of teams. They're mostly going to have the best player on the court. I think when you run into trouble is if that's ever not true, right? Like there's a reason Purdue gives them so much trouble. Mm-hmm. Zach Eady's better than Jalen Pickett. Like just point blank, he is. Uh, Jalen is excellent and he's an All-American. Zach Eady's the National Player of the Year, right? Like he is yeah. the best player in college basketball uh, when it comes to college basketball. And, you know, that's tough. But I think more often than not, they're going to have the best player on the court. They're going to play a type of basketball that wins in March. And, you know, the officiating will change a little. Won't be uh, Big Ten officials. You know, it might be a little more favorable. I'm not saying it's not possible because I do believe, like you said, anytime you, when you're in a tournament setting, it's the hottest team. Whoever's the hottest team, yeah. you know, it's going gonna, gonna to win the games. But I do believe it's, it's all about the draw. Like you said. Oh, like yeah, you 100%. Know, you, you, who you play against, you, can, you know, we've seen it. I remember giving, I forgot who I was giving one of my old teammates a hard time when Virginia was the number one team in the country and they and then they lost. You know, like, oh, yeah, happen. to UMBC. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. Things happen and it's, and it's crazy. And I think a lot of it is just based on a draw. We've seen how, you know, Purdue, you know, it got teams with big bigs, with great bigs. It, it's tough for Penn State to, you know, really stay locked in and stay against them because they're trying to, you know, change their plans when it comes to defending a big and how the players that they use on the court. So if they don't run into anything like that, you know, and it's literally based on guard playing threes, I don't see anything like I maybe I, I don't watch enough outside of the Big Ten and, and, you know, in the top 25 to really know what's really going on on the outside. But I don't see, like you said, Pickett will be one of the best guards. And I know I know there's some other guards that are all Americans as well, but he'll be the biggest. I do know that, you know, be the biggest uh, all American guard. And we go from there. You got three, four shooters all around him. Cam Winters playing the best basketball he can play. The young freshmen and the young bigs are playing hard, doing all the loose ball. I mean, you can't ask for anything else than that. Then them going out there. And at the end of the day, they're playing with house money. You know, house money. The goal was to make the NCAA tournament. And from there, you know, you, you go from what do you want to do? You, you huddle. You guys make it a tournament. You see the see. You, you guys settle up and say, what are we trying to do? Are we here just to be happy about making it? Are we going and let's make some noise? And I think. That should be the goal. Let's make some noise and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. You know, Final Four, Championship, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, who knows, 32. But you got to go out there and just believe that you're going to be able to just make some noise. And I think that's that, that would be my game plan from what they uh, – if when they make it, that's, you know, when they make it into the tournament. <laughs> I, I appreciate the when on there, uh, yes, yes. you know. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think you're right. Like And, and like I said, this is just the kind of team that's built for the NCAA tournament. I know it's it may seem uh, like a, a hot take, but I, I really don't think it is that, you know, this is just the kind of play that works. That being said, there are two teams, if I'm Penn State, that I don't want to face in either the first or the second round. 
it is impossible for them to face Purdue in the first round, so they don't have to worry about right. that. But Purdue is one of those teams that, like, if Penn State ends up as a 10 seed, like, you don't want the two seed in that region to be Purdue. Because, like, if because <laughs> you are not going to have a good time in the second round. Uh, the other team is a weird one. It is Oral Roberts. Uh, and hear me out on this. Max Aismas went nuts a few years ago for Oral Roberts. Uh, yeah. They have seven foot five Connor Vanover is their second best player. Mm-hmm. Not going to work. It's not going to go well. Uh, and Aismas himself is like on the level of Pickett. Like I'd, uh, I I included him. I have so for the USBWA, I have an All-American vote. And like mm-hmm. Aismas to me is a third team All-American. I, you don't yeah. separate it by teams, but I had him where I would have had a third team All-American. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have those level of guys, right? Like it is uh, if you get a seven five guy, it's not going to go well. Fortunately, yeah. there are not many of them. Uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, outside of those two draws, like the rest of it's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Right. Like this yeah. team can can hang with anyone, especially if they get hot and they can beat anyone if they get hot. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. Uh, but this was uh, this was quite the trip. Right. Like it has been it's been a crazy year. Uh, it is, and it ended as crazy, crazy as it possibly could have. Uh, and I think it's you know, it's only going to get more fun. I you know, uh, I hope people enjoyed listening to us today because this is these are the kind of podcasts for me personally that, you know, when I listen to like an Eagles podcast, like after the win, like you really look forward to, you know yeah. what I mean, to listen to it. I hope people got that sense of enjoyment and have that sense of excitement out of, you know, what's to come here. But I think that's a good place to leave it for this week. Uh, you can find us as always uh, on YouTube, where if you are watching us, where you're probably seeing us right now at Beyond Big Ten, uh, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, on TikTok, at Beyond the Big Ten. You can find us wherever podcasts are, wherever you're listening now, presumably. It is also there. Uh, you can find Tim on uh, Twitter at TimFreeze23. You can find me on Twitter at, at John Sauber. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great day. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.